Ready? Here we go. Different points of view and highs and lows. A new perspective everywhere you go. Open up your mind, drown out the noise, and see if this connected. And see if this connected. What's up, fam? The mission of this connected podcast is to connect generations and situations about faith, life, and whatever comes along the way. To not necessarily agree, but be listened to. These conversations, of course, highlight the perspective of our various guests, and you are always welcome to agree or even disagree. But as always, we hope that it is done in charity. Now, here's your host, Catholic.Dad. Welcome to another episode of this podcast, fam. And on this podcast, we have a special guest, and I want to thank her and for you guys who are watching us on YouTube. You guys can see the person right in front of me. This person is a lot prettier than Tony, who would usually be in front of me. But this person I want to share with you kind of pushed me in the right direction in ministry. I've never told her this, so she's going to, oh, but it's true. She was my resource when I started ministry many years ago, and this person is Anna Hamilton. Let me introduce her to you. Anna Hamilton is currently the Managing Director for WordNet Productions. She received her master's degree in theological studies from the University of Dallas. She has worked in youth, young adult ministry for over 23 years, and restorative justice for eight years. She is trained in trauma intervention and pastoral counseling. She is a devoted wife and care Giver for her mother. Her favorite quote to live by is from Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta: "Live simply, that others may simply live." Wow! Thanks for joining us, Anna. Thank, thank you. Thank, thank you for me. joining us on the podcast. Um, again, rules of the podcast: it's a conversation, so don't get nervous. And if I go off chart and 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 just go off. Um, Tony's not here to smack me in the back of the head, so feel free to redirect. No problem. <laughs> or we'll just bring sarcasm. Always works. That's right. <laughs> I love sarcasm. And and so, so, you know, your bio just reads so much that, you know, I, I didn't know any of this, a lot of this stuff about you. All I knew you about you was that we worked in youth and young adult ministry. And I remember 10 years ago, because our youth ministry that we started was is 10 years old this year. That's amazing. This, that you, when I went to the diocese, mm-hmm. you were like the face of youth and young adult <laughs> ministry. I know there's another person, but whenever I ask, okay, so who do I contact in youth ministry for the diocese? Mm-hmm. It's Anna Hamilton. And um, I'm like, okay. And so that's where I went. And there where you are. And um and that's where we went to. And and I remember some of the events, Asian Pacific um Youth Day that, that we went to and we danced and um and I think I lost my speaker uh, on one of those events, which was a funny story. I finally got it back this year. Did you really? Yeah, I went to an event and they had like this speaker and I'm like, That's mine. Oh, funny. From like 
2014. And they're like, really? It's like, and it was. It, it was. came out of the uh, the prop room, huh? Yeah, it did. That's what they said. We went in the prop room and we found this. And so we were, we were going to use it. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, please take it back. So, you know, things just come around. Yeah. So, Anna, so what was it like starting out? Is that where you started was in youth and young adult ministry? And It actually was. So, um uh, I guess I have to give you a little bit more backstory to to get to how I yeah. found my way to ministry. Because so, we grew up in the same location. That is so hysterical, too. I went, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was even youth minister at St. Christopher's in West Covina. Oh, my gosh. Like my my niece yeah. sang at St. Christopher's. Me, too. <laughs> so, can't, I used to canter, too. So, But, um, so, you know, as a young girl, born, raised Catholic incredibly naive and very insecure as a child and just pretty shy all all around uh being around people like just it was not me and so uh, as i as i was growing up um, i got to my 10th grade of high school and my father became very ill with cancer and i completely felt like you know what I, i just i just withdrew within myself didn't know how to act or respond. It's like all my social skills just completely disappeared from there. And so that's how I went through the rest of my years of high school. And it was very, it was a little lonely, but at the same time, I was also more cautious of the friends I was making at the time too. So by the time I was 19, my father had died and I just felt like, Things were going to fall apart, but I couldn't because I needed to be the strong one for my mom, you know, and my sister. And I was like, okay, so I'm just going to be strong. I'm going to get through this. Two months later, a couple of things happened. I was working as a bank teller and I was robbed in the bank. And then a couple of weeks later, I was rear-ended. And I was at work one day, and I completely fell apart. I just, like, dropped behind the counter and just started crying. And so I went home. I talked with my mom a little bit. She started to get nervous. Um, we ended up – we have a lot of family, and so she was talking to one of her sisters that were – they were very involved in their church, and and they said, there's a young adult retreat coming up. We need to send her on this retreat. <laughs> Like, you know, the only retreat I knew was high school retreat, which wasn't quite the same. And so they sent me on this retreat. And to this day, that's where I met my best friend, who's my like my sister now. And so um, it just it was so eye opening and so life changing. And I never really truly believed in God, I think, growing up. I think God was he was just in front of you. But that was because everybody around me would talk about him. Mm -hmm. You know, you go to your family's house for all the Hail Marys and the Novenas and our fathers, and you're just like, okay, I'm just going through the motion. But was that really faith? And that's a question I kept asking myself over the years. I'm like, "Is is that faith? And so this retreat just changed my life around. I got involved with the choir. I got involved. I became a Eucharistic minister. Um, But there's another thing. I had not been confirmed. 
What? In fact, I didn't even make my first communion until I was in ninth grade. So very devout Catholic family, but they never actually pushed the sacraments on me, which was really surprising to me. And I went to a Catholic high school, too. <laughs> so I'm like, well, this picture is so backwards and random all around. So um, I went ahead and said, okay, I'm starting to get this idea of church. I should probably be confirmed. <laughs> I should probably finish off those initial sacraments, right? So I did. I signed up for it. And you signed up for it. I signed up for it. Not the parents. Not the parents. Well, my this dad was already gone. My dad was gone already. My mom, you know, we were just taking it day by day. But I was starting to make this connection with church through these new friends of mine. And and so I signed up for confirmation. And let me tell you, great experience, but not done properly. And this is the reason why. I was confirmed in four months. I had four classes, and I was confirmed. Was that the? It was like it the, was the way, or was it, was it the adult for confirmation? You? It was the adult confirmation program, and that's the way the church had set up their program. And they allowed me to go into the program mm -hmm. with only four months before confirmation. You fast tracked you. I fast tracked so fast, so. And I was excited, right? You know, this is exciting. I signed up for this, something I decided I wanted to do. Well, come confirmation day and beautiful experience, loved it. And then at the end of the service, my catechist came up to me. She was so happy for me. And she says, I need to tell you something. And I said, what's that? And she said, your sponsor actually said you weren't ready. And I fell apart again. <laughs> I'm like, how dare she? You know? And it, you know, she, and she was my family, so it was like, she doesn't think I'm ready. What have I been doing all this time? Am I missing something? Well, apparently, there is something ingrained in me that if you tell me I can't do it, I take it as a challenge. Oh, maybe that's why we get along so well. It could be. <laughs> <laughs> so I took this challenge and I ran with it. And next thing I knew, I was signing up for um, catech master catechist programs, all these different things, uh, learning so much more. I became a sacristan, you know, a catechist. I was teaching RCIA for children. All of a sudden, these things just started going and happening really fast. I'm like, whoa, what am I doing? Well, I was getting it. I'm starting to get this idea of what faith is and what it looks like to be able to share God and your faith with other people. And so so from this young adult retreat began this world of young adult youth ministry, um, being being on retreats regularly, going to ev Catholic events, mm -hmm. you know, all these things you're just like, I never, ever, ever saw this as part of my life. When was this a part of my plan? Never. You know, I'm a girl who lives in a fantasy world. Bring on the fairy tales and Disney. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> I think I still am that. Uh, but but you know what? But taking a, con a different context and reminding yourself that God is present in all of those things. Now, now you, you know, you saying and sharing with us your story mm -hmm. just brings up so many things that a lot of young people go through and they're on fire. Yeah. And as you said, now it becomes a challenge. Oh, I'll show you how Catholic I right. am. <laughs> so, and and you become 
the most Catholic person there is. You become the resource. It's like, oh, you want to talk about Catholicism, go to Anna. When? Because I, I know when it was for me. Mm-hmm. But when was it for you when being super Catholic became, now I have a relationship and I understand why I'm super Catholic? So I've, I've been a part of a few different parishes. And so I had changed, after I got married, um, I changed over to another parish in Glendora. And uh, they had an adoration chapel. And that adoration chapel was a four by four room, <laughs> completely, practically empty and plain. But it had the Eucharist, it had Jesus, and it was bright, and it was shiny, and it just said, kneel down and pray. And I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but for some reason, I remember somebody telling me later that night, they're like, you were so reverent in there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? <laughs> I was just kneeling and praying. <laughs> but they said, you were so reverent in there that, you know, you made that moment special for me too. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, and that's just one of those moments where you're just like, God really does use you, Mm -hmm. not necessarily for yourself or for him, but for other people. And he has a message for everybody. You just don't know when it's going to happen. And so it was just, it became just the most precious thing to me to be able to have time in front of the Eucharist in front of that tabernacle and to be able to just take time for God. And so I had been blessed for a couple different parishes I was at that they had that opportunity with the blessed sacrament to be able to go and do that. I love that. I, I love that because it, it, that's the same for me is, is my relationship with God is in silence. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people see that, you know, oh, you know, you give talks or you do retreats and it's always a lot of noise. Yeah. But, you know, my re- actual relationship with God is in silence. It's in, mm-hmm. in the peace and quiet of the Blessed Sacrament and just sitting there sometimes by yourself. And many a times people catch me sleeping. But <laughs> and that's okay, too. But that's okay. St. Joseph. You know, the angels are just finishing your prayers for you. Exactly. It's like I am resting. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know, one of the things uh, you know, listening to your story, is that you know you're broken, mm-hmm. and God, you know, pulls upon the broken and puts them back together, not necessarily the way that we want to, but the way that He desires for us to be. So, how did you become open to Him calling you, or what did you get that light bulb and says, oh? Uh, I'm being called, um, and I have to do this. Did that come like all of a sudden? You know, I'm called to do this, or or was it gradual for you to be called? A little bit of both. Um, gradual, as I was experiencing it over the years, um, building that relationship with God. I think those were some of those quiet moments that you're just taking every moment, and you're just kind of locking them away into your heart a little bit. Uh, so I was working. And going to school, and and sometimes you know in your heart there's some change coming. And so, as it turned out, there was these. There's a two week frame here. So, 
one week I lo- I was uh, talking with some friends of mine. I was also I'm also Christista, so you know had done that. So I had my my little group that we were meeting together, and uh, and then there was another week I had gone on a, a retreat, a life a life teen leadership retreat. Mm-hmm. So the first week I went on the life teen leadership retreat, and we went out to American Martyrs out in Manhattan Beach, and. We had gone from one experience to the next. Well, from the experience we were going to, they walked us into walked us into the church, and for the first time, I had never seen this before. There was Christ, you know, the crucifix hanging on the wall, but it wasn't the crucifix; it was the risen Christ. Mm. And that risen Christ was so. It just, I mean, I almost dropped to my knees right there. It was just so powerful and just calling to me. And then we had this beautiful thing where we washed each other's feet. (laughs) I'm like, wow, this is like, like I was getting chills the whole time. Like, God is so good. Wow, what's happening here? So that happened. And then the next week I lost my job. And then that weekend... I was visiting with my uh, Christista friends, and we were gathering. And for some reason, I can't remember why, we were sharing gifts with each other. Well, they had pitched in and got me a gift, all, all three of them. There was four of us in the group. And they had given me a beautiful crucifix of the risen Christ oh. that just, it was like, wow. Okay, there's no death happening here. This is all, God is telling me life is happening. There's something big coming that's going to go forward. So that was the weekend. By Monday, I had a call from a priest friend of mine, and he said, I need a youth minister. <laughs> I'm wow. Like, I'm like, really? <laughs> and that's how I – and so I was already doing all the youth ministry stuff, you know, plus some, because I was teaching catechism for – I was doing RCIA for children. I was – I'll just name it. I was probably yeah. doing it in some way, shape, or form. But – but then to be able to say, okay, now it's time to leave this church. And this is how I ended up at St. Christopher's. And that's where I ran with my ministry as a youth minister. So at that point, you were doing secular jobs. You, you were doing your, yeah. your, your, your work was mm-hmm. basically working in secular work. Right. And you weren't being paid no. by no. the church. Not at all. Until that point. Right. And didn't look back since. Exactly. Wow. So, um, it, that that just blows my mind because that's how God calls. Yes. You know, it's like, you know, the disciples were called. They were doing their work. Mm-hmm. They were making good money. They were failing at many a times. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus comes. The risen Jesus comes and says, come follow me. The risen me. Jesus, yes. Come follow me. And you did. Yeah. And that took you to being a youth minister. How long were you a youth minister? So all in all, since I, and I consider it since the time I was 19 when I had gone on that young adult retreat, I would say about 23 to 24 years. Wow. So And then in that process, um, coming to from going from the L.A. Archdiocese over into the Diocese of San Bernardino as a director of religious education. And then I wasn't there very long, actually, because the opportunity came to work at the diocese and youth ministry. So. Now, did you... Did you end up moving because of that, or did you still live in West Covina around that area? No, actually, I never lived in West Covina, although my husband did. <laughs> but no, uh, we actually no, we went to we went from La Puente area to 
Uh, oh, okay. I, I, yeah, I, I grew up in the area. You cannot <laughs> yeah. ever say a person from La Puente lived in... <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> so from there over into San Bernardino County, and then somewhere along the way, we ended up in Riverside County. So we're, we've been all around Southern California. But stayed in California. But stayed in, stayed California. in Southern California. Yeah. And, you know, that's where we go to to the Diocese of San Maria, which was at that time when you right. moved there, wasn't all that much here. It was, well, you know, because I didn't Developing. know it, because I didn't know it. I, I, I'm not sure how to answer that question because I didn't know it to what it is now. So um, at that time, so coming into the diocese, I was discovering that there's a lot here to offer. Mm-hmm. And I was excited by that. And I was excited that there were so many young people who were asking questions and they wanted to know more. And knowing what I went through, asking myself a lot of those same questions, I was like, you know, this is going to be fun. This is going to be a great opportunity and to just just to let the Holy Spirit flow and, and see what, what comes from it. So I really enjoyed that. And I really enjoyed all the people I've gotten to meet over those years. I, I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head there. Because when, when you come from a big diocese like Los Angeles and Orange mm-hmm. County where everything is already formed and, you know, you're basically following in the footsteps of giants and, you know, you're basically just doing. Right. And then you go to the Diocese of San Bernardino and someone's, not to say that it was wild, wild west, but <laughs> but there are times where I think this is the wild, wild west. It is the desert. <laughs> it is the desert. But they allowed you the opportunity to develop mm-hmm. and grow and grow with the right. diocese as we're exploring and we're growing and I think that's that's what um, uh, my heart fell in love with with the diocesan uh, ministry for youth mm-hmm. and young adult uh, ministries is because they were always open to say well what do you think and I'm <laughs> like no I came here to ask you what I should do and you're asking me what do you think mm-hmm. um, and it challenged me to to come and say okay well let's let's explore and let's talk yeah. to other uh, communities other parishes that that Anna recommend oh why don't you talk to Sacred Heart or mm-hmm. why don't you talk to this church that they're right close to you I was like you're not helping me, Anna. Why don't you ask them for me? So I, I, I really love that. I'm very empowering, as you can see. <laughs> love the word empowering. You know, there's definitely some accompaniment mm-hmm. that 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 was happening there. So you went and you were doing youth and young adult ministry, yes. and and it's grown since then. You know, the oh, office, I'm so excited uh, where know. it is now, yeah. And uh, I think there's still so much more room to grow, but I think mm-hmm. the office is, you know, with Edgardo, um, is is going in a direction where I think it's 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 not quite there, but mm-hmm. they're they're heading to that direction. We, we are still a missionary um, diocese, right. and I think that's what's so beautiful about it. We are still a missionary diocese. Yeah. Um, so it's still the wild, wild west. It is. <laughs> And, and so from then, you know, the shocker for me was when I get that message and it's like, well, Anna's no longer part of the ministry for <laughs> young Catholics. And I'm like, well, where did she go? And so where did you go? Oh, let's see. About three yards to the other side of the building. Because <laughs> on my phone, my contacts, it still says Anna Hamilton Ministry for Young Catholics. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it has not So long changed. ago now. Yeah, that's like 15 years ago now. <laughs> yeah. It's still so, the same thing. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, well, let's see. So I went from youth ministry and did a complete 360. I went from the most active of ministries to the most unheard of ministry <laughs> where nobody talks about it. And nobody really understands it because it uses so many different terms that it's just above and beyond people's mm -hmm. comprehension. So I went to the Office of Restorative Justice. You're going to have to tell us what yes, that is. Yes, I figured that was coming. Yeah. So the Office of Restorative Justice, our work was working with those who are impacted by crime, people who are incarcerated, victims of crime, and becoming a presence for all of them and their families. And that is not an easy task to do. With young people, parents hand you their children. <laughs> and with incarceration and, 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 and murder or, or whatever victimization is happening, they're hiding mm -hmm. because they're afraid or ashamed of what's going on in their life. And they don't feel accepted in their in their own circles so you have to literally dig into the ground and look for those people and and that's not easy to do and and i'll be honest i don't go looking for them yeah they're there they exist and all we did was make an avenue to open doors for them to say read this come talk to us when you're ready so so when i came into the office of restorative justice they, I thought, you know, I'd be working with a lot of the prison ministry, which I was doing a little bit. In fact, and, and I think, I think that's when, when we hear restorative justice in the office of restorative justice. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's like get on the bus and visit their family members in prison, it, yeah. and it's 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 chaplaincy and it's prison ministry. Mm -hmm. We don't the regular Joe that's out there mm -hmm. listening to the podcast thinks that oh, restorative justice is just going to prison ministry and dealing with that. Right. But there's so much more. So much more, and and I, you know, and actually, you know, one thing that's really important. I'm going to backtrack just just a tad. Is that the only reason? All I think in my life, all of this is possible, is because I've had amazing mentors in my life, mm -hmm. amazing role models who have guided me. Not just not just shown me how to do it, but they've guided me through it. So when I was in youth ministry. Uh, we were working with, with this wonderful man, Bill, and he was a parole officer at the time. And we were working on some kind of a project, and he calls he walks into the building. Bill's a very towering presence, okay? He walks into the building, comes into the office, and he says, let's go. I'm all, <laughs> where are we going? <laughs> he goes, we're going. I need to take you somewhere. And he drove me from San Bernardino to Paris. And I visited my first men's group home. And these were all pro, um, men who were just out of prison. Mm -hmm. And it was time for their rehabilitation course with Bill. And let me tell you, this was probably the first time I went from Anna, who was told all growing up, bad people, you stay away from them. Criminals, you stay mm -hmm. away from them. Don't even look at them. Just walk the other way. You know, they don't exist. I'm like, okay. To walking into a group home, nothing but criminals, people who have done things, made poor choices in their lives. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I didn't see a criminal. I saw a human being. Yes. 
And that's what made a big change and impact in my life, too. So I had done, um, I would go and I'd visit prisons regularly, do, doing music masses for, mm-hmm. our, for our bishop or whoever the priest was going to celebrate. And, and so that's kind of what going to restorative justice, that was kind of my expectation, is those were sort of the things I'd be doing. And really getting closer to the incarcerated side of life. And yes, that was a part of it. But it wasn't what I was asked to do from the get-go. I was asked to work with murder victims and suicide. And suicide, I understood, because when you're working with young people, there's an array of situations that come up over the years. Um, of, of young people who are thinking of suiciding or or wanting to suicide or have tri- who have attempted to suicide. And so, you know, so I kind of already had that knowledge base and some some training in that. So I was I felt comfortable with that. But you threw murder victims at me. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? <laughs> I haven't lost anybody to murder. I don't know what you're talking about. So I took that first year. Oops. I took that first year. And I just wanted to observe and take it all in. Well, at the end of that first year, our terrorist attack happened in San Bernardino. Yeah. I lost two colleagues. And they died in a room I was just in two months ago. Mm. And that was just hitting way too close to home. So not only had I been journeying with these families, learning more and more about what that meant to lose a loved one who was close to them, having them just violently taken from them. Now I'm having a deeper understanding of how the impact is and how the ripple effect touches every single person who knew that person. So we are all connected. doesn't matter if I knew them or not. If I'm hearing their story for the first time, that ripple is hitting me. Mm Mm-hmm. And now I'm impacted by that story. And so I grew a lot. And my whole perspective of the ministry changed. And so for me, families, any family experiencing trauma is they need someone. They need a presence, someone who's going to listen to them and to hear their stories. And then lo and behold... Thinking back to all the people I've met who are incarcerated and the work I've done with both of those groups together, well, the people who are incarcerated are going through trauma too, probably because they've also lost someone to murder mm-hmm. or some kind of violent action. And so it's it's a violent circle. And a lot of families can't break out of that circle. Yeah. So there's there's a trap. How do I get out of that trap? You only do what you know. You do what you know. And if you're fortunate enough to find someone to to at least hold your hand when you need to or hold the Kleenex when you need to, that's part of it. So, And sometimes that's enough to break that chain. It is. And so, but it still wasn't enough. <laughs> I still needed more. I needed to be fed more. So I actually became a volunteer for um, a violence intervention program. I'm sorry, let me try that again. A trauma intervention program. And the trauma intervention program, um, I was actually a volunteer um, in the city by my home where I was a first responder with the first responders. So first responders would go out Mm -hmm. to fire, murder, suicide, 
whatever it was, uh, domestic violence, all of those things. And then they would call us in to be there for the for the families or for the person who was impacted, for the victims. And so I spent a lot of time with those who were who were dying or did die. And it was just it was every single story is so different, so unique. And if you can't feel God's presence mm-hmm. in any of those situations, something's wrong. I know the answer to probably an answer that you would give to this, but um but the question I want to ask is something that that when I was doing um, employee assistance at my workplace at Patton mm-hmm. State Hospital, um, many of the people um, who have gone through trauma uh, and their family members and the things that you have spoken of would come to you and would just um, emotionally vomit mm-hmm. to you. Um, and that's taxing in of itself. So... You going through these traumatic incidents, you know, providing trauma-informed care to mm-hmm. these individuals, providing pastoral care, um, did that begin to take an effect, a toll on you spiritually or emotionally? If so, how? And if not, why not? Yes, of course. Um, and what c- did you do? Yeah, you can't – I don't think it's possible – well, from I guess from my experience, I don't think it's possible for someone to take all these experiences and just put them in a box and let them fester there. Mm-hmm. Your body will your body will change. <laughs> your body will will feel it physically, and you will feel it emotionally and mentally as well. And so, and therapists talk about this all the time too. You know, you you have to do more for yourself. You have to take time for you, and so first you have to unpack it. You know, you have to have someone you can talk to. Uh, and so for us, we had that person. We had a manager who who we every at the end of every um, visit, we would call immediately and unpack what we went through, and share it, which was a start. Secondly. Then we had to take care of us, go home, have a glass of wine, go shopping, <laughs> whatever it is that would allow us to do something for ourselves, to care for ourselves. So this is it's all about self-care. It's all about taking time for yourself, knowing that whatever you experience, taking time for you allows you to reconnect with God fully because then you can unpack even further spiritually what happened? How was God present? And how can I take that experience and maybe share that with another person if they're going through the same yeah. thing? And it's it's beautiful that you said that because if you can't unpack it, mm-hmm. then at the next episode, the next incident that you go to, then you're bringing yourself and you're not bringing right. along God. Um, I found that very difficult in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that the, the Biggest thing, and probably this is what people always say to you, and someone said to you while while they're observing you pray, is that you know just your presence brings about peace. Right. And when someone walks into a room and they bring about peace, you know that person's doing it right, and and they're bringing not just themselves. It's kind of like when you're giving a talk and it's like it's not me; it's the Holy Spirit speaking mm-hmm. through me. And so your actions, I believe, is every time that a person who does trauma uh, work. Um, if they're not um, not saying that a person who is secular can't do good work, but I do believe because I'm biased um, <laughs> that a person who is um, a person of faith, 
does an immense uh, great service to those people who are going to a, through a traumatic incident. Um, I always used to usually ask when I would seek out resources and like, oh, do you have a faith background? <laughs> right. <laughs> and they would say yes and yeah. say, okay, well, then you're hired. There you go. <laughs> so restorative justice mm-hmm. became a huge part. How long were you there? So I was there for eight years. Eight years. Yeah. So, you know, that's usually the time, eight years, seven years, yeah. take a sabbatical, move on. <laughs> so God decided to open some new doors. Definitely some change happened. And, um, you know, something um, that, you know, our Bishop Bishop Barnes used to always say is, you know what, every, every position, sh- you should always try and leave something for other people to follow in your, in your footsteps if you can. Because, you know... You, when you go, your resources yeah. go, everything about you go, right? <laughs> so do what you can to allow others to take over for you. Same with youth ministry. It was time to allow others to take mm-hmm. to take their stand too. So so God just has a way of moving me. So he just picked me right up and handed me over to WordNet. <laughs> <laughs> Which cracks me up because yeah. I have his eight-year rule. Uh-huh. Every eight years – find another job oh mine was six so i've as <laughs> <laughs> so i was doing youth ministry uh how long <laughs> and restore justice how so yeah so honestly it's never been my it's never been me god's just always moved me when he needed me to so picked you up went to wordnet mm-hmm. okay now you mentioned wordnet yes. i know what wordnet is yes the majority of our listeners are like What's WordNet? That? What's WordNet? Um, and so they're thinking, oh, is it Microsoft or is it, you know? So everybody Google? pull out your phone, <laughs> open up YouTube, <laughs> look up WordNet Productions and click subscribe. There's my plug. There and, uh, you know, you will find there, you will find several people, lay and, and religious priests, uh, deacons who come and they do biblical scriptures for us every day. You will find our newest show, uh, Truth Talk, which is led by someone who has experience in a certain field. It's kind of like a mini TED Talk come in, but you have the opportunity to really um, uh, dialogue with the uh, audience as well and whoever's online listening Mm -hmm. because we do the show live. So, And I just did my first show as a host actually just a couple nights ago, so (laughs) check it out. It was with Father Havu from the Vocations Office. I love Father Havu. So. so it's WordNet TV. Word WordNet WordNet dot TV. And it's on an app because I have mine on an app. On an app on it's Catholic streaming twenty four seven. We're seen in like seventy two countries around the world. So just like just like your podcast. <laughs> not as, we don't we're know. Not quite but there. there's we don't a, know, but, but there's, there's a country that's listening to you right now. Yeah. So. so and that's uh, that's the most beautiful thing and I think when, yeah. when when we do ministry and we do when we do ministry on the parish level, we, we reach yeah. the youth in the parish community that we have. And sometimes the kids who are uh, brought by their friends. Right. And then when we do um, diocesan ministry, when well, we meet all the other kids in the diocese and mm-hmm. we, we're doing there. But I think something happened during COVID that I believe is complete blessing. It answered the call that, that, uh, that I've been saying. And I think if you've been listening to this podcast, you know, and I'm going to say it's when, when, when Pope Emeritus Benedict said that the church is going to be smaller. Mm-hmm. I think many people felt or believed that the church was going to be less people. 
I say my my take on that is that the church is going to be smaller because now you can reach the church through this media right. called the internet and and make the church smaller. Right. I mean, during COVID, I mean, we were going to mass all over the world and we we're like, wow, I, I, I like mass in Canada and, you know, and, and or I like mass over there in this other state mm-hmm. or or you're going to mass with family and friends over Zoom, all watching the same mass, which is in a different country. Yeah. You're having conversations with other people. Um, you're having Bible study with other people in other different worlds, different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And the church got simply smaller. And it was young people who literally brought that together. And so now, as you say, you know, WordNet TV, somewhere, some in some number, Country number 71 is watching, never met you, and yet you're able to minister to that person. And connect. And connect. And that was, you know. This connect. Exactly. So, you know, the ministry was started by Father Michael Manning. Some of us may remember him, and all our young people will be like, who? (laughs) But he, I remember growing up watching him on TV. Who knew he was practically in my backyard the whole time, you know? So he's a Society of Divine Word priest. And he was just so blessed as a communicator and doing shows and traveling the world and and bringing the, the gospel to life through media. Mm-hmm. And that is pretty much our mission, to share that gospel news. And so what he did was phenomenal. He already opened the door with technology and and mm-hmm. and you know, television and trying to discover the gifts of so many people, famous people, lady people. It didn't matter who you were. We're all children of God. And and we have to embrace that. And so I love what he did. And the fact that later on in life in, in youth ministry, I, I met him. <laughs> I'm like, I'm meeting you. And I'm hiring you to do a retreat for me. <laughs> you know, and I'm asking you to go into the prisons with me. You know, what a connection that we had dis- that I discovered with this man, and uh, it was just so beautiful. He's so humble. It's such such a humble man, and and you always just felt so loved when you went there, and you felt you felt the energy he brought to it, and that's that's our goal, I think, as a faith, a person of faith. Bring your energy of your faith, make it come alive, mm-hmm. simply just by your smile, by your attitude. And just make it real for other people. And that's, you've already made a difference. That's mm-hmm. it. You've already made a difference. It's 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 the thing when someone says to you, I love, the, I love your passion. Mm-hmm. I love the passion that you bring into this. Right. Um, that you, you know, it's so alive. And, and I think when we when people say that, what I hear is that, you know what, Christ is alive in you. Yeah. Um, the Holy Spirit is flowing through you and you're allowing, you know, the, the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit to just, envelop you and and people see it and it's amazing and wordnet tv is located right there when i think it's the oldest parish we have in san bernardino is it's right near it's right near saint bernardine's which is like 150 years old yeah yeah it's only a block from there and so fifth and d streets you can come come visit us um we actually have mass every wednesday at 11 a.m so you can check us out or just come visit us and join us and when we have our truth talks, you're welcome to join us in studio too as the audience. So, wow. so come be there. Um, and as I was mentioning on those reflections, so we do. Uh, we actually have two apps. One is I God Today, which is our English 
version of our biblical scripture reflections, and then we have one called Dios Habla for our Spanish speakers. And so, download those apps to your phone and yeah. come and listen. It's there. It's only three to three to five minutes worth of your time to come and join us and just get a little piece of little piece of that inspiration you might need for the day. We're gonna put all those links and and in, information um, on the podcast information so that you can click on it and, and get to there. It's important to to have these resources mm-hmm. um, for yourselves or for people that you are um, speaking to. Um, I always have to look because Tony's like, you never look at the camera. I know, I forgot it was there. <laughs> I, was like, I forgot it was there. It was a conversation. <laughs> um, but um, it's important a lot of times, many of us, you know, someone asks us a question and we don't have the resources. Right. Well, we want you to go to our bio. We want you to go and, and click on this and then save it. Now everybody has a phone and we have our uh, yes. our phone for this program. But um you have it carried with you, mm-hmm. and so when a friend of yours is struggling and needs a resource, you can simply just click on it and say, "Hey, here's here's a resource," or yeah. forward as a text. Um, I think that's what we're called to do in sharing the faith is sharing our resources to other people because we don't always have right. the answers. We're we're not always that person who's pastoral for that issue, mm-hmm. but we know who is and they always ask me it's like how many resources do you have it's like well as many friends as god gives me <laughs> that's right <laughs> it's like now we have anna <laughs> and we have father manny it's like we have word word net tv and um and it's it's a beautiful program uh because I, I always laugh because i think it's so great that when 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 you're watching something and says i know them i know right <laughs> it's like i know them it's like, uh, because it's cool. It's like, it's like, wow! I know someone who's on there is actually doing God's work. And you know, we interview a lot of people. You might see someone else. You know, yeah. so some of our special shows that we do, they're you know, from again, from a laity to deacon yeah. to a secular person who's doing amazing work. We had we interviewed a comedian this week, a Christian yeah. comedian, and just someone who's also doing the work of God, doing doing comedy in prisons mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that's amazing to me what well, what's more amazing for me when you when you say that is what's endearing to me and i think endearing to many other people is that this is a regular person because i know them mm-hmm. and i know them as a regular person yeah. so if they can do it then right. i can do, yeah, it. can do it because a lot of times we look at you know "Quote unquote catholic famous people mm-hmm. and say i'd never be a father mike schmitz yeah. and like you know <laughs> I have him as a resource. Right, me too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I invited him. He actually responded and oh, said, cool. and said, oh, I'm a little busy. And I said, but I'm in Minnesota. <laughs> and it was a time he wasn't in Minnesota. Uh, um, we drove through. We actually, I actually told my wife, I was like, awesome. if Father Mike Schmidt says that he will do a podcast with me, um, we're going to drive four hours off our route. To go see just him. Just to go see him. That's awesome. So for a 30-minute <laughs> clip. Um, but yeah, but... You know, it says here, you know, when I was reading, that you also do pastoral counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that about? You know, it's just, it becomes a part of your ministry. It doesn't, it doesn't really need a title. To be pastoral means you are present. You're listening to someone who needs someone at that moment. It's not a counselor. In the sense of a therapist or anything like that, or clinical psychologist. It's simply someone who can talk about God with another person Mm -hmm. who needs 
some kind of spiritual direction in their life. So we're not a spiritual director because they do a lot more work. But we do spend enough time with someone that we can try and refer them to the direction that they need. So in essence, it's it's being an attentive Mm -hmm. and compassionate listener and being able to accompany somebody. I always image that as in Jesus sitting there and someone sitting next to him. On the park bench. On the park yeah. bench. Like, that's pastoral <laughs> that's counseling. That's pastoral counseling. Yeah. Right that's there. it. Just sitting there, not sometimes yeah. not saying anything. Someone asks you, so what did you guys talk about? Well, nothing. Yeah. And everything. Because, you know, when you're listening to someone. Right. You know, it's just, you know when I did um, ministry at work, <coughs> you know, someone asked me, do you remember everything that someone tells you? It's like, no. Yeah. Is in we have you know and there's um, in the work I was doing with all the families I did a lot of support groups, and in those support groups it's kind of the same thing. You're being pastoral. You're you're stopping. You're listening to them, mm-hmm. and then providing them the resource they need yeah. so that they can heal. You're present in the moment, right? In that moment, um, whatever that came from your lips and mm-hmm. through your mouth and what was said. That was brought by the Holy Spirit was the thing that needed to be said and something that Absolutely. needed to be heard. Um, and you may not remember that. Yeah. But that person who heard it... Somebody does. ...was like, wow, that, yeah. that really hit hard, and um, thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that is literally God's work. So this is, this is called me living simply. <laughs> that's, that's what St. <laughs> Teresa said, uh, live simply. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Folks, if you're listening to this, you do not have to actually do everything that Abbott does. No. It is not simple because something that we have in common is when you said is you also are a caregiver for your mother. Yes. I was a caregiver for my mother. You know, my, yeah. uh, you know after college, uh, I moved to Fontana and uh, had a house, a four-bedroom house, and my mom lived, moved in with me and never moved out. Mm-hmm. So I was never a bachelor. <laughs> I'm on 11 years right now. My husband is the sweetest man. <laughs> Thank you, Chris, <laughs> for, for saying yes and, and allowing us to open our doors to, to take her in. You know, what else? You know, sometimes you just have to follow Christ's example. Yeah. And, 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 you know, he took care of his mom. He couldn't even leave his mom alone. He made sure somebody was else present to take care of her. Yeah. And, and for many of us... Um, and it's not necessarily cultural, and mm-hmm. I think it's it's very much a person of our faith that when we we do care, we we take care of our loved ones yeah. because there is a need, and and I just want to say it's not easy. No. It's it's not easy. I mean, it's a, there was a time where uh, I felt bad because I was more of ignoring my mom because mm-hmm. it was like I'm so exhausted, and. Um, and I'm sure that that's that those are points where you're mm-hmm. like, oh, mom, please stop. It's like, I need a Every minute. Every five minutes? <laughs> I need a minute. I know. Yeah. I know. But yeah. good no. for you. It's, it <clears throat> is being a caregiver. If you are a caregiver, you understand every day is, is a good day or a bad day. Yeah. And you, you don't know what you're going to get. It's the unexpected. But that is life all around. And it's no different from ministry. <laughs> Yeah. Ministry is unexpected, <laughs> up and down, and and you face it head on. That's, you know, it, it just brings me back because, you know, our podcast studio is my mom's bedroom, um, was <laughs> my mom's bedroom. I still have all her statues mm-hmm. in here, her books. 
and her stuff that you know you just can't get get rid of yeah. because oh he's just hold such dear memories um, and so making memories with your loved ones um, while you're taking care of them is also super great because yeah. she also wrote a book um, mm. but it has to be translated and I don't know how to translate and I'm I've lost parts you'll find that person. I'll, I'll find that person uh, when I pass so that they can write stories about me. <laughs> <laughs> But but that's that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So from now you have WordNet. Mm-hmm. What do you think is coming next? Because it seems like your journey yeah. is is an ever progressive, more difficult thing that you're doing, more challenging. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that youth ministry was not challenging, mm-hmm. but um, it, it seems like you know it's it's a more intense level of work that you're doing that's a great question you can't you know i mean i could tell you what i'd like to be next i just want to retire and travel the world that would be great (laughs) but i don't know what's next um i think god i just i just open i think i'm just open i don't necessarily have an expectation It's more just allowing each day to flow as what's needed. I think right now, life is is at a place where God is going to offer me new skills, new gifts, to prepare me for whatever's next. So I don't know. That's a beautiful answer. And it's the correct answer. (laughs) Because we don't know. It's a, it's I passed the test. Yeah. Passed the test. <laughs> and by the way, if you want to travel next year, we are planning on taking a trip. Oh, really? Okay. We are planning on doing a trip to do the the Camino. Oh, nice. Uh, Camino de Santiago in Spain, five hundred miles, thirty days, uh, about twenty miles a day, or six. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many miles we're going to walk. Wow. Trying to get in shape for that. So, if anybody wants to join us, hit us up, DM us. See if you want to join us. You're on your own, by the way. It's not a set activity. You, know, you set your own. We say this is when we're going to start. And whether you finish or not, it's not on us. But we'll be probably podcasting the episodes all the amazing. way through, um, kind of documenting the blisters on Arnell's feet, yeah. whoever comes with me, uh, and see if we actually make it in 30 days. Uh, but uh, it's it's been a pilgrimage that, mm-hmm. that I've wanted to do. For the longest time, uh, it started when I was actually doing marathons, mm-hmm. and then I got fat. Oh. <laughs> so it's, it's going to be a harder pilgrimage than than expected. But and then Tartan races are next. Yes, or Spartan, Spartan, Spartan. No, I I, I never <laughs> wanted Spartan races because, no. yeah, I thought those were insane. Um, that's how we got injured, uh, running around in mud. Oh, there you go. Um, so just straight running. And now it's just straight hiking and cycling. You've got this, Arnaud. I've got, got this. It. I got the medals. Um, <laughs> people will believe me again. So you? You used to run? It's like, yeah, I used to run. I was like, Jesus saw. Yeah. <laughs> but Anna, uh, before we end, I loved your quote, live simply that others may simply live. Did you want to share a little bit about why that is your quote, why you chose that? The main reason, because I knew my life wasn't simple. <laughs> I knew all around it wasn't simple. Uh, I've, I've been, 
I've actually been surrounded by a lot of death. And I think that's why God chose me for the ministry for murder victims. My first experience of death was family. I mean, that's that's the general. But a connection with it. My first connection with it, I was in my 20s. And I was a cantor and at the church I was going to. I was already married. And a friend of mine who I had met on Curcio, we became very good friends. Her mother was dying. Well, she called me up one day and she said, my mom wants to meet you. And I said, okay, why? And she said, because she's dying. She's going to die any day. And she wants you to sing for her funeral. Mm. And I was like, this is too much pressure on a 20-some-year-old. <laughs> I was I was dumbfounded. And I'm like, I don't think I can say no. <laughs> so I went and I met with her. And we chose all her songs. We had a beautiful, beautiful discussion. She told me about her herself and her family and, and her experiences. And she died two days later. Wow. And that was my first real true experience with death. And believe it or not, out of all the years I've been cantering, which is like 13 or more, I've done probably over 100 funerals, one wedding, and one quinceanera. <laughs> Why? God has a sense of humor. So <laughs> simply put, thank you, Mother Teresa, live simply. Just take each day as it comes. I love it. Because who knows what's coming next? I, I love it. I, I, I just love it. You know, you know, just hearing that, I'm like, wow, we have so much in common because I love funerals. <laughs> you give me a wedding or a funeral, I'll take a funeral any yeah. day. Um, everyone is so nice. Um, yeah. The songs are so beautiful. And I think that's something we have in common. It's a conversation for another time. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but um, thank you for joining us on this episode. Thank you. I for think a me. lot of people will benefit from listening to your stories mm -hmm. and the things that you've just shared. Open up. Thank you for opening up um, your life to us. Um, again, as we say, when people are listening to it, there's going to be someone there who's going to be inspired, just like I was inspired when the first time we met. I was inspired by by Who's Anna Hamilton? And, you know, I'm going to say the first time I like Anna Hamilton, I was picturing this older white lady with red hair. And oh I gosh. was like, excuse me, where's Anna <laughs> Hamilton? And you came out and I was like, excuse me, where's Anna Hamilton? It's like, I'm Anna Hamilton. <laughs> I am bad with, with, I'll with wear, trying I'll to wear a wig people. for you next time. <laughs> But thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, Arnold. And, it's great um, to be here. For those people who are going to come on and listen, wordnet.tv is where you're going to be able to find Anna. Again, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast, fam. If you want to support the podcast, please go on to our link at catholic.dan on Instagram. I think you can go to patreon.com com slash disconnected sorry tony i'm butchering it every single time um but support the podcast it's um actually a way for us to support 
youth ministries, definitely volunteer youth ministries that are struggling out there in the diocese, um, our funds go to them. So if you want to support the podcast with a dollar, five dollars, twenty dollars, or that one great person who keeps us afloat with fifty dollars a month, we would really appreciate it. Again, everything goes to our youth ministries. Um, on that note, As we always end the podcast, please pray for us. We'll be praying for you. And as always, be blessed and be third. See you next time. Different points of view and highs and lows. A new perspective everywhere you go. Open up your mind and drown in the noise. Different generations of the girls and boys. So sit back and relax. This Catholic podcast don't overreact. If the thoughts are abstract when it's hosted by Catholic Doc Dad, who knows what's gonna happen? Hey, what's up, fam? Different points of view and highs and lows. A new perspective everywhere you go. Open up your mind and drown in the noise. And see if disconnected. What's up, fam? To connect generations and situations about faith, life, and whatever comes along. Respect, runaway thoughts like a runaway train. Break into conversation like links of a chain. Make a Hail Mary pass. Hope disconnects. Have a question for a guest? Put it to rest. Live a life of holiness. Lead by example. Follow at Catholic.dead and many tingled. <laughs> Christ leads our way, he's the good shepherd. Pray for one another, be blessed, and be there. Different points of view and highs and lows. A new perspective everywhere you go. Open up your mind and drown with the noise. And see if disconnected. Attention passengers, we've now reached our destination. We hope you enjoyed the flight and have a nice day. This Connected Podcast is brought to you by The Cabin. Want to get away and get some peace and quiet and rest? Yes, rest, but not too far away from home or the city? Want to experience a true log cabin feel in the mountains? Well, I have the recommendation for you. The Cabin is a two-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath that will do just that. With a beautiful wood fireplace lit and a glass of wine, you are sure to relax. With easy access from the main highway, private parking, easy access with stairs to the entrance, fast Wi-Fi, a full-size kitchen, and all the essential amenities will make your stay a memorable experience. This cozy log cabin was built in the early 60s with its original wood fireplace and a newly transformed deck with beautiful views of the San Bernardino Mountains. So, book your stay at the cabin in Running Springs, California. The cabin located in the San Bernardino Mountains, is a beautiful place to see the beauty of God's creation. I have known the proprietor of the cabin for many years. She has always supported the youth and young adult ministries of her community, as well as this podcast. Check out The Cabin on Instagram at thecabin2021. Again, that's at thecabin2021, T-H-E-C-A-B-I-N, 2021.